Hello and welcome to All Villa No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. And didn't Villa look the part of world beaters with a 6-1 demolition of Brighton? More on that in a second. We'll also have a throat-burning spicy question later in the show. But first things first, Frankie, how are you? I am very, George. It's not often we get to talk about 6-1 wins with Aston Villa. Do you remember the, the last 6-1 win we had? Do you, do you remember where we were, George? I remember exactly where we were, Frankie. We were in the Holt End. It was many years ago. It was, who was our manager then? Was it Sherwood? I think or it was Lambert. Paul Lambert. Lambert. Wow. Yeah, yeah 6-1 against uh, Sunderland when Christian, Christian Benteke also scored a hat-trick that day, didn't he? He did, yeah. So, you know, it was written in the stars with Watkins scoring three goals. But um, yeah, that was an incredible game to be at. I imagine being at the game over the weekend would have been just as incredible for the Villa fans lucky enough to see it. Um, mm. What did you think of it, Frankie? It was absolutely unbelievable, George. Just what what a performance. What a statement victory. I, I sort of can't help but feel that Villa have slightly flown under the radar given the amount of praise that Deserby and Brighton have had. And then if you compare the two sides and how they've performed ever since Emery came in, actually Villa are the team who have um, performed the better, you know, points-wise and uh, results-wise. So um, I, I, I can't, you know, I, I don't really care that Villa are under the radar. I kind of like it in a weird way, but it it is kind of telling when I listen to wider football podcasts, sort of non-Villa podcasts, and hear people saying that they think Brighton are going to go to Villa Park and dominate. And I can't help but think, you know, this is a, you know, well-known journalist and, you know, we work in broadcast as well. So, you know, we we appreciate the difficulties of the job and the the, the various things yeah. you have to do. But uh, I listen to that and I can't help but think, you know, you, you, your expertise is supposed to be football and you don't know that our teams nowadays don't go to Villa Park and dominate. And Villa have won 10 games in a row at home. So, you know, it, it, I, I totally understand why I think fans feel a little bit like we're slightly overlooked. And uh, I think that surely a 6-1 win over Brighton was a statement victory. And everything about this game, George, was just absolutely amazing. I thought um, tactically in the first half, Professor Unai, it was a true professor, emphasis on the professor bit, Unai performance, wasn't it? Tactically, you know, having uh, uh, Watkins and Diaby sort of pressing from the front and just allowing Brighton's keeper to have the ball for seemingly half an hour, waiting for him to pass the ball. No, you know, being totally patient, wait for it, wait for it. And then as soon as he makes, you know, because you know that the fact he's taking so long to make the pass, he doesn't have many options. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, you'd have Diaby and Watkins waiting there. Douglas Louise would push forward and get onto uh, the Brighton 18-year-old Davison or, uh, you know, uh, and then behind him, you'd have um, Kamara on Billy Gilmore. And so if they wanted, but then if they wanted to go out wide, you'd have John McGinn chasing them down. And then basically, it disoriented, it disorientated Brighton so much that if they misplaced a pass, that what would happen is immediately those Villa players were all bunched up so close together that they could very quickly then spread out and cause chaos. And that's what that's what kept happening. We kept winning the ball and the transition then was superb. Um, you know, and I think the first goal summed everything up really, you know, that Villa got the, won the ball back, got a transition. I think it was Esri Concer put a ball into uh, DRB and he didn't make the right pass. Should have played it in earlier, three on two. But, uh, but then after that, you know, Villa messed it up a bit. But for a full minute and a half, Villa just kept hold of the ball and just kept hold of it. There was no there was no pressure on them to just 
lump it in the box and hope for the best. Instead, it was just white, white, white. And then eventually, John McGinn got the ball and he just picked out the right moment. Paul Scholes style pass. He, he played a bit like Paul Scholes yesterday, I thought, genuinely. Um, Paul Scholes style pass into uh, Massey Cash, who timed his run perfectly to get in behind and a ball across to Ollie Watkins. That goal was absolutely fantastic. It was pure coaching. Um, the uh, defending from the front was pure coaching. Uh, and um, Aston Villa just had the players that, you know, when Villa won the, wall, the ball back, had the attacking um, ability to just rip Brighton apart. And uh, I just think that Unai Emery deserves to be called an elite coach for that because it was truly elite coaching. It was amazing. What did you think of it, George? Yeah, no, it was it was, it was was extremely impressive. I thought Brighton started the game quite strongly. They had a yeah. decent chance to take the lead with Estepinian. But then <clears throat> after that, and particularly after the first goal that we scored, it was, it was kind of one-way traffic then. Um, I think the game benefited Watkins' style of play. I think it, uh, the way Brighton play, it it allowed space for him. Yeah, you know, Watkins loves to kind of run into channels, um, and uh, and and sort of and, and make these darting runs in, in inside the box. Um, and there was room for him to do that. Uh, and he had he had a great game, and obviously a hat trick in front of Gareth Southgate, who will probably pick uh, Danny Welbeck in the next <laughs> England squad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we won't go there. We'll, 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 I'll be intrigued <laughs> to see if he if he makes it in. Um, I know there's one more Premier League game before the international break against Wolves next week, which is obviously not a particularly happy hunting ground for Villa Molyneux. And obviously they picked up an incredible win against um, Man City uh, this weekend. So that will be difficult. But you'd like to think if Watkins gets on the score sheet again uh, um, at Molyneux, then, you know, it would be incredible if he wasn't named in the England team. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, and ditto... Uh, you know, concert. I know he's been perennially overlooked by Southgate, but I think he's had such a such a strong start to the season. Uh, arguably, the strongest start to the season that he's um, he's he's had at Villa Park. <coughs> Sorry, Brad. What was it? <coughs> concert was so good that it's just made you cough. Like he's given <coughs> Yeah, like, exactly. The, the 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 name Southgate in your throat has just forced you to start coughing. <laughs> just incredible. Um. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, he's he he's been he's been brilliant, and he's sort of um, filled the role of uh, of Tyrone Mings. He's he's definitely now become the leader at the back, commanding play. And whereas Pau Torres is obviously now the kind of the ball playing defender that perhaps Konsa was before Mings got his injury. Um, so you'd like to think Konsa um, is at least a consideration for Southgate um, for for a call up. But to be honest. I'm quite happy with those not getting call-ups because as we said before in the show, what it does is when they play for England is it just puts them in the shop window and um, <laughs> inevitably, you know, well, Man City, Man United come in with a big money move. And uh, George, if yeah. Aston Villa can make Champions League this season, suddenly that prospect is looking quite, the potential's there, you know? Yeah, yeah, the potential is there. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's, not, there's not many teams who are going to beat Brighton 6-1 this season. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. No way. Um, look, look at what they did to Man United. Look what they did to Newcastle. What I would say as well is, okay, we're we're, we're fourth or fifth at the moment, aren't we? Uh, um, yeah, yeah. And um, and as we've seen this weekend, the top the, the top clubs are still struggling. United look woeful. Yeah, they do. Chelsea have started this season as they ended the last one. Um, you know, there's no guarantee either of those two will finish. In the top four, um, you know, City can be beaten, as we've seen, obviously, this weekend. Um, 
you know, Newcastle are still a work in progress. Brighton, um, okay, today was a bad result for uh, yeah, the weekend um, was a bad result for them, but you know they'll pre- probably be up there with us. But what I think, as you said, it's a statement victory for us this weekend, and what it does is it it, it just strengthens our credentials as a club that can certainly vie for those top four places. I know it's very early. I know it's only just October. A lot of things can happen. Injuries could get in the way or derail us. You know, who knows? If we if Watkins gets injured, we we'd struggle, obviously. But um, but uh, yeah, it's as things stand at the moment, we are we're consideration for sure for those for those top four places. It's worth remembering we're one year into the Unai Emery project. You know, like we're not we're not even a year, and uh, where we are is just unbelievable. I think where you can see our weaknesses is that you know Emery wants to mix the team up a bit yeah i think you know emery's just a one year into his project you know and he normally tends to take clubs you know three four ish years um so you know i think for him where his his sort of perfect scenario would be you know if we're playing in everton in the carabao cup or we're playing against a warsaw and he wants to you know and he given the volume of games he has to mix the team up of course he does he has to rely on squad players is that at some point we have the squad that can deal with um games like that rather than you know an Olsen to Dendonka pass just going astray as yeah. it did against Steven as it did against Everton but but on a, but you know with Brighton I think that you know tactically that first half was absolutely unbelievable unbelievable um you know even um Pau Torres sticking close to uh, Danny Welbeck and you know the last two performances from Concer and Pau Torres have been really positive Chelsea and Everton uh, Chelsea and um, Brighton yeah just because they, it looked like they were a bit more comfortable as a pair and suddenly you start to think all right the high line it didn't look very vulnerable against Brighton um, and uh, Diaby I think causes absolute chaos just with his movement and speed yeah his yeah. intelligence and uh, I mean I could rave about everyone I, I thought John McGinn was absolutely unbelievable you know, three key passes he made off with his foot. I, as I said, he's like, he reminded me of Paul Scholes. Genuinely, I was thinking, like, who does he remind me of? And I thought, John McGinn looks like a player who Alex Ferguson, back in the day, would have signed for Manchester United because, you know, you think of, like, Ferguson teams that won the title. They weren't always, like, you know, the Pep Guardiola-style Barcelona, the best players in the world. But they were always players who were high quality and absolute, you know, quite mean and one in a way that they're willing to do things a bit the dirty way, but high quality and hard working yeah. with some real quality in there. And I think John McGinn is that exact profile. So to have him at Aston Villa as such a talismanic player as he is, I thought he was just, you know, that ball he, made, he played to Watkins um, for the, I think it was the fourth goal when Brighton were on top as well at that point. It was 3 yeah. 1. Yeah. And it looked like they were going to pull it back to 3 2. But the ball ball over to Watkins was just fantastic. And he did it again for the sixth goal that Watkins missed, but then Douglas Ruiz scored. But again, that came from a McGinn curved left ball through the lines. Um, and then to see Jacob Ramsey back as well. I think Ramsey is just such a penetrative player. I think yeah. Ramsey went up a level last season. I think he he reached a point where I thought he looks like somebody who's really going to a very, very high level in football. Yeah. And just to see him come back in after an injury and just do that again, you're like, he's got it. And uh, I think that, you know, I look at, you know, Louise, Kamara, Ramsey and McGinn with a sort of Zaniolo as a backup and the Tielemans as a backup. You think like that midfield, like, my God, a couple of years ago, we were like, Villa's midfield just didn't have the right balance. Now you look at it, you think, have we got like arguably 
the best midfield. Oh, you know, obviously there's other midfields in the country that can compete with it, but there aren't many. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I'd, have, I'd definitely agree with you. It's one of those things where if you looked at other teams in the Premier League, there wouldn't be too many other midfields that you would take ahead of what we've got at the moment. In terms of not only their quality, but their ability, their, their individual qualities and their ability to work so well together, given what they're individually so good at. Um, Ramsey back is a huge thing. I think he's just a incredibly talented, um, uh, you know, ball carrier. He just pick up the ball on the half turn and, and just run at defences um, and, and can score uh, and can score another, you know, incredible goal. We, we talked about this last last year when he was playing that the goals he scores always tend to be, you know, just brilliant finishes, you know, you know, top quality. And the fact that, you know, he placed it so well that it sort of hit the post and, and, and nestled in the back of the net. I mean, just expert placement. So it'll do him the, the world of good to score after quite a, a lengthy injury layoff. Um, but no, it's 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 looking really good, and 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 having obviously players back from injury is 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 brilliant. Um, I think we're probably uh, you know we're talking about the squad and t- talking about competing on well, there's three fronts now that we were knocked out of the League Cup. But um, we're a couple of players light, I think, in terms of having significant quality uh, yeah. across the squad. Like you know, our yeah. starting eleven is very strong, but if we pick up a few injuries as we have done. Um, you know, I think that that does really impact us. Mm. Um, but yeah, we're not we're not far off it. And Emery said himself in the in the in the post match interview. You know, the, he's still expecting more mm. uh, from the team. He still wants more from them. He thinks he can still get more out of them. That's what you want to hear as well. You want your managers to say that, don't you? you don't yeah, yeah. You don't you don't want someone to rest on rest on their laurels. I mean, you know, we 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 want to compete. Um, you know, the, the carrot is there of Champions League football, particularly the fact that, you know, fifth place will get you another spot in the Champions League next season. Mm. Um, and I'd like to think that we can stay up there for the for the duration of the season. I I, I, I would expect us to. I think the consistency issue is, is frustrating. The fact that, you know, it, in the Premier League, we've done okay, but the surrounding games and cup competitions has been disappointing. You know, we've got another midweek game against Zerinsky, uh uh, coming up at Villa George, Park, George Zerinsky, George Zerinsky, uh, and uh, yeah, I hope, I hope you know we'll make more of an impression in in, in that game. And then, as I say, uh, Wolves are kind of a local derby um, next weekend before the international break, and you want to go into the break. I mean, that, if we win that game, potentially we could go into the international break in, in third. Mm. You know, at the start of October, which is, you know, it's amazing, but uh, we. It's it's weird, isn't it? You know, I was listening to another podcast. Um, I wouldn't name their name, but they're you know they're, they're another Villa podcast, uh, and they made the very good point of there seems to be a strange um, uh, feeling about Villa at the moment amongst Villa fans mm. that we, we're there. There is more to be there. You know, there, there is there is more to be had from the squad, and it's mental to say that when we could go into the international break two months into the season in third place, weird, you know, yeah. we're, it's, it, the expectation levels have, ri- have risen so much so that we as a fan base, I think have become more demanding, puts a bit more pressure on the players and, and maybe Emery as manager. But I think, you know, I think they can rise to it. I think, I think they've probably had discussions internally as well about the expectations for this season. We've got the quality there. You know, we, we, as we proved last season, we can beat, we can beat the, top clubs you know united spurs we chelsea we can we can beat them all so there's no reason why we can't um continue to to, to play at a high level over the course of the whole season absolutely um yeah i think we you know there's potentially five champions league places 
up for grabs this season. Um, now, I, I'm not sort of getting ahead of myself and thinking Villa are going to make the Champions League, but I do wonder if we need to recalibrate a bit and think, do you know what? Like, I was, I, you know, when I mentioned that midfield earlier and thought, that's an unbelievable midfield. It's just, it's just whether if one or two players get injured, can we keep up the standards? But, you know, we're just under a year of Emery now and it's been an incredible ride and it's incredible to watch a manager approach games in such an intelligent manner and um re- you know every he's got a game plan for every game seen seemingly you know and every team that he goes up against and I think this season you know we lost to Newcastle which I think was a freakish event and I think that I said it at the time I thought it was freakish because you know so many things have gone wrong for us that week Buendia's injury the Mings injury in the game Torres having to come in and make his debut a couple of decisions that I look back now and think might have actually been offside um having what seen what happened with Liverpool Spurs um genuinely um I, I remember looking back and thinking oh that's offside and then no lines were drawn that uh, we'll talk about that in spicy question but um but uh uh, but I think the uh, Liverpool game was where I thought they were just brilliant. They were really, really, really good. Their pressing structure was amazing. And so I think you like you just got to give them credit sometimes. You just lose to a better team. But, uh, you know, I remember after the, the Everton game, seeing us absolutely rip them apart. And I thought Diaby was a huge part of that, just the way he moves and causes mm. problems. Um, and I, I thought after that, I thought, I think we're going to do that to a few teams this season. I didn't expect us to do it to Brighton to the level that we did. Um but I think, yeah, I think the only negative I'd say from that game was the goal we conceded, um, you know, quite soon after halftime. You think, yeah, it was a bit sloppy, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Jao Pedro made a big difference, actually. And Tarek Lanty offering a bit of pace. Um, uh, yeah, we we just seemed a bit sloppy. And we've done that a few times this season, conceded a bit quite early after the uh, halftime whistle. So I think we just need to, uh, you know, hopefully Villa will learn from that and, you know, not concede early because there was a period where it looked like Brighton were quite close to make it 3-2 and then, you know, the pressure's really on then. But thankfully, Ollie Watkins was the man to bail us out, get his hat-trick. And, uh, you know, the spicy question a couple of weeks ago was about Ollie Watkins and backing him and supporting him. And, George, I, I think that, I think we were proven right on that one, weren't we? I mean, yeah. what? why would you doubt Watkins? Why? Yeah, abs- uh, yeah absolutely. Uh, you know, that's two hat-tricks already this season for him. And, um, yeah. He's yeah, he's he's just he's just the man. He's the man, and you got to back him. And um, you know, hopefully, he signs that new contract soon. I know it's been rumbling on for for a while, but um, he's got to be up there now in in terms of you know Premier League greats at Villa uh, in terms of stri- strikers at least. You know, yeah, oh, yeah, if, if, if you definitely, yeah. You know, if you think of you know the Benteke's, the Juan Pablo Angels of this world. Um, uh, the Bosco Balabans, Bosco you know, Balaban. he, he's yeah. he's he's up there with all of them. Um, so yeah, I I, I think he, he looks like he's enjoying it. Um, he looks like he's enjoying being you know the, the the number one guy, and he plays perfectly into Emery's style of play. So um, you know why why would he you- why would he go? I don't know. It just seems it seems like you know Villa really are a team on the up, um, and. There is, there is, you know, it, we're very ambitious, um, and yeah, I think I think he's at the right place. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think he would want to go anywhere else. Do you know the only thing I remember about Bosco Balaban at Villa? Really thinking about it was when he played against Manchester United in a game where we were one 0 up until the ninety fourth minute, and they scored a bloody own goal off Alpe that just hit him and went in. Right, I think Vassell scored in that game. I remember Bosco Balaban came on and just turned his ankle. And that's the only thing I can remember him doing for Villa, just Balaban turning his ankle against uh, Man United. 
Yeah, I mean, I he didn't he didn't play that many games, did he? That must have been one of maybe three games that he yeah. could have played. And I think I I have I have I fell for Alan McAnally's Alan McInally's hyping up of him. If they're saying Bosco Balaban, they'll have a good season. If they don't say Bosco Balaban, they'll have a bad season. And I fell for it. Bought a Villa shirt that had Balaban on the back. So I have a an original Villa shirt from that year. That's probably, that's probably worth a fair bob now. It's pro- it's, it's, you know, listen, there can't be too many shirts with Balaban on the back. I'll tell you this. Look, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a collector of shirts, do I have the shirt for you? Yeah. Uh, let me know what your price is. Email all Villa no filler, uh, at gmail.com <coughs> or, uh, you know, uh, comment on one of our YouTube videos and uh, I'll... I'm willing to do a bit of business with you. I'll go a bit airy Redknapp. I'll do a bit of business with you, mate. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Welcome back, everybody. Now it's time for this. George and I get on very well, but maybe this is the moment all that comes to a terrible end in this the spicy question and George today I ask you should the Premier League get rid of VAR and I only say that after what happened between Spurs and Liverpool the incident that we all have been hearing about all weekend yeah very much in the press at the moment yeah well interesting first of all a spicy question which isn't about Villa uh which is which is a bit of a segue away from how we normally do things but a very valid and important topic um Oh God! It's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a culture war style question, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it feels it feels like something that would be discussed on you know some news channel which I won't name. Um, but uh, but yeah, I um, I wonder. How, I, I I'm curious as to how people might react to this. So obviously, feel free to get in touch uh, and let us know your thoughts on VAR. It seems everybody's got an opinion on it. Mm. Personally, I um, I. I like VAR. And the only reason I say that is because I feel a lot of people have very short-term memories about what it was like before VAR. And yes, these I mean, that decision feels a bit inexcusable given the technology available. Mm. But that was genuine human error rather than the technology being the problem. It was the it was the people behind the technology, not the technology itself. So what I gather was um, the 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 fourth official in the VAR, VAR room thought the goal had been given by the on field referee, and so and so concluded that the check was made and therefore the on field decision was given without conferring with the on field referee that he hadn't actually given the goal. Yeah. So, so as I say, it's not, it's not technology's problem. That should have been a, a, that's a communication issue. Um, and I just think, you know, imagine, imagine if that happened before VAR where, you know, the referee says it's offside, how long would we bang be banging on about, oh, the need for technology. We need to clear this all up. We need this, that, and the other, you know, it should have been a goal. Yeah. And in normal circumstances, it would have been a goal because yeah. we have the technology to decide that it would have been. It was a human. It was a human mistake. The issue in that case, and to be honest, the issue in a lot of these cases with VAR, it's it's not to do with the technology. It's to do with the, the humans behind it. The humans who ultimately do have to make 
certain calls. But it, but in, but in general, I think it it has massively cleared up controversial issues. Um, there's always going to be controversial issues in, in in football matches when it comes to you know tackles. Are they is it red card or yellow card or offside, onside, corner, no corner? You know, you know, goal line technology, all the rest of it. There's so many decisions that have to be made in a split second in a football match. Um, and and I think you know it, it has VAR has helped sort of deal with the, the majority of them in, in in my opinion, but it's it's not foolproof. It's just, it's it's not, um, and I don't think you can have a technology ultimately which where you'll get every single decision right in football. It's just not going to happen. But it's it's vastly improved the decision making process, in my opinion. Okay, there's something to be said about it slowing the game down. You know, obviously a lot of our goals were checked in the game against Brighton, uh, and you know it kind of slows the pace down a little bit. But ultimately, you want the right you want the right decision, um, and and VAR has helped has helped do that. So I am. A supporter of VAR. Um, I do wonder what the general consensus is, but mm. I I do support VAR. I think we should keep it. It's kind of mad to think how long it's been around already. It's like five yeah. years since the World Cup 2018 was our sort of remember it coming. Uh, so I I think what happened at Liverpool and Spurs was just like I, I still don't understand what the hell how the hell they missed that. Like I was watching it live and. You know, very quickly the player wasn't celebrating. The crowd was quiet. Went to a free kick, and it's like, how did that VAR official miss that? But you're right. I think it is the VAR officials behind it. But the thing is, like, my thinking is that, like, like you say, like, if it went to back to pre-VAR, I guarantee you, within one week, there'd be an absolute glut of decisions that you'd be like, how the hell has that? been missed like just endless like you know people are always like oh there's you know there's this sort of like you see it mentioned on twitter or in the media now where it's like oh you know there's too you know var's taking up too much of the conversation every bloody week pre-var used to be some referee decision that was the dominant Absolutely. every Absolutely. week I mean, I mean in fairness i know for some people have always been against it and are still against it and have some legitimate reasons why not i mean yeah the Waiting for the offside flag to go up is annoying and is going to lead to injuries. Um, there are there are definitely annoyances to it and like slowing down the game, like how long it bloody took to clear some of them goals yesterday. But like the things that they like, some of the stuff they miss is just like beyond belief. Like, you know, Anana's foul on the Wolves play at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, but like I say, like I God, I remember decisions pre-VAR that were like, you know, I remember um, do you remember Cardiff? Played Chelsea and had to get a result, or else they were, they were like almost guaranteed relegation. It was when Neil Warnock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, it yeah. was Cesar Azpilicueta was like five yards offside. So yeah. you're like, how on earth has the linesman missed that? Yeah, and it'd be like you'd get you'd sort of, and then I remember at the end of the game, Neil Warnock like refusing to leave. He just stood there staring <laughs> at the referee. Yeah, he had his hands on his head, which became a bit of a bit of a meme, didn't it? Yeah. yeah staring yeah. at the referee for ages. Yeah. yeah Neil Warnock um, to hell with it. To hell with it. Um but I I um I just can't help but think that like what all that would end up happening is we'd we'd get rid of it. And all right, I you know you'd you'd get a bit more of the ebb and flow of the game back, I guess, in the sense there wouldn't be, you know, offsides would be given a bit quicker. Um, you wouldn't be nervous about celebrating a goal all the time. But um, I, I just can't help but think that you'd end up with just back with like loads of terrible decisions again. Yeah, we would be. Of course we would and, be. 
I think I think one way around it is like you know I remember at the 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 last World Cup I'm sure they had automated offsides, and it felt like it worked perfectly and worked really quickly. And like I just don't understand well why not just bring that in? Well, just bring in quick you know bring in the automated offsides and then very quickly you're like right get on with it okay that's seen it no move mm. on instead of drawing the lines which you know and i you know i will bring up the newcastle game again because i absolutely definitely remember watching that game in a pub seeing about two newcastle goals and being like oh i think that's offside so we're gonna and then we never saw any lines drawn but yeah, yeah, again, and I, again, that sort of again, this is where it sort of leads into like the, you know, because I don't believe there's a big conspiracy theory or whatever in in football. I just, there just isn't. Oh, is it? But it, it like, um, I can't help but think that like, what might have happened is that they said to we need to speed up offside decisions, and so instead yeah. of like looking properly at it, they've just gone, yeah, it's on. And like, uh, like I'm not, I'm not 100 percent certain that's true, but. I, I sort of now want to, it's having seen what happened at Spurs and Liverpool, I now actually want to go back and look at them goals against Newcastle and think, actually, my eyes weren't deceiving me like that. They were offside. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, you said, automated offside would make sense, I think. But I mean, you said you said VAR's been around for a while. I mean, five years is still, in the grand scheme of football at, the, at least, is not that long. And you'd like to think that the longer that it, we do have it, the longer that it's implemented, hmm the better the technology will become, the better the decision-making process will become. Because, you know, these these referees, they they, they refereed at a time before VAR. So you th- you'd like to think the next generation of refs who, who grow up understanding their technology a bit more will be more in tune and in, in sync with, with, with sort of amalgamating their on-field decision process with whoever is the fourth official up in the VAR room. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still it's still a work in progress. It is, uh, and and there will be these decisions that seem completely baffling, particularly with the technology that does exist. But as I said, with the amount of decision making that has to go on in the football game, there are going to be things that inexplicably slip through the net. And as I keep saying, the issue in the Tottenham Liverpool game was a human error mistake. It wasn't a technology mistake. So yeah, I, I think um, I think there are there are problems, but there'd be far more problems. Uh, if we didn't have it. I mean, do, do you remember even back in the day when like there used to be like holes in the nets and a, I think there was a, a few examples where players would score a goal that would go into the net and then like mm. f- fly through a hole in like the stanchion. Yeah. I remember Mark Marquis scoring a goal for Southampton that wasn't given. No one yeah. celebrated because it hit the net so hard and bounced back out. Yeah, exactly. No one, if it went I, in I, or... I know, I know, you know, that is kind of like goal line technology, which is a kind of a separate, separate area of football tech. But my point remains that um, that, te- that that tech and technology has has smoothed out a lot of problems. Uh, I'll Everything... be honest with you, George. I think there's probably a lot of people listening to this right now who have just been like, "What are these idiots going on about? Get rid of VAR. It doesn't." Oh, yeah. work. There's a lot of people who don't, and I understand it. I understand why people don't. I I would prefer it if we didn't have like a million years waiting for decisions i think it's it 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 does sometimes it does take bloody ages. yeah but it, but but, it, but but again that's a human error issue yeah the, the, the technology the the, the 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 you know the replays and stuff are available like that right mm. so so if a if a referee if a referee decide, basically referees should if they're unsure about something they should immediately run over to check the screens rather than having that weird moment where they're conversing with var 
and they're talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And then they decide to go over and then they watch a thousand different reviews of it. Mm. Like if you're unsure, go straight over, watch it a couple of times and then be like, okay, that's, that's my decision. Mm. Um, but so again, it's, it's, it's more of, it's more of a referee issue than, than the technology issue. This is where we find out that everyone who listens to our podcast hates VAR. And suddenly we find out tomorrow that we've been it, unfollowed in one-star reviews. Please give us five-star reviews. Please, even if you disagree with what we've been talking about, five-star reviews, we're very much appreciative. Yes, that would be nice. It, but it is, it, it is a very polarizing issue. I think yeah, either you is, are for yeah. or against it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I would, I would genuinely like to hear back from our listeners, our viewers um, and find out what they think. Cause it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big talking point, isn't it? Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, George Zielinski. Frankie, I will see you later. I'll catch you in a bit, George. Up the mighty villa. 6-1, what a result. 6-1, absolutely incredible. It's goodbye from me too. We'll be back again soon for another 6-1 against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, but until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs>